welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where I bring you guests to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Every week, I say this, but it's true, community is so important, and finding other people that can help you to be able to better frame fatherhood in different ways is tantamount to success for any of you, because going alone is not the way that you're going to be able to be the best dad that you could be. You've got to be able to surround yourself, whether it be physically or just hearing people and internalizing it, whatever works for you, having a community is important. So hopefully, as you are listening to every episode that we put out, that you are taking something from that, internalizing it just a little bit, and being able to then think about it on a different aspect to be able to say, how does this inform the way that I am fathering my own kids. So this week, again, we've got another great dad that's joining us. Matt Burke is with us. He's the father of two, and we're going to be talking to him about his own journey in fatherhood. Matt, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate the opportunity, and community building is something I'm very passionate about, whether it's virtually now with COVID, it's even more important, or in person, like you said, it's any way that you can get it, any flavor that it comes to you, take it and make the best of it. So true and so important because I think so many men are raised to see the masculine paradigm of we have to be men and we have to be willing to or do whatever we have to to be able to provide. And 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 to be honest, it's kind of something that we have to shed because as fathers, none of us know what it means to be a father until we are one. And because of that, we have to surround ourselves. We have to have a community. And we're not always the best at making community once we become adults. So, so it is important to do that. And I appreciate you saying that too. Now, one of the things that I love to do when I talk to dads is turn the clock back in time. Now, you've got two kids. We're going to focus on your daughter today, being that this is the Dads with Daughters podcast. So I want to go back in time. We're going to say six and a half, seven years now because your daughter is six. And I want, to, I want to know what was going through your head when you first found out, when you first found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter. You're going to hit me in the feels, Chris. <laughs> I was surprised, shocked. Obviously, my wife and I struggled with infertility for about three years. And at, that journey is not something I would wish on anybody. But certainly, if you are going through it, I hope that you can be vulnerable and talk about it because... So many of us have gone through that, whether it's on the wife's side, on the dad's side, on the both having challenges. We were fortunate to be in San Francisco at the time. So we had a great network of doctors and specialists that, that we started seeing and could help us figure out how to maximize our chances. And we had started getting to the point where we thought this, this wasn't going to happen for us in this traditional sense of having our own child. We had started exploring surrogacy. We had started exploring adoption. And maybe I'm just a procrastinator by nature, but I needed a a deadline. And my wife had an appointment coming up to get some scans done to see what was going on and if we could continue trying. And lo and behold, she was pregnant. And she kind of did the at-home test and told me. And I was like, you're lying. There's no way. It's like, why would after all this time, why why all of a sudden would it work? But it was life-changing. I mean, you talk about community at that time for me was reading all of the fatherhood and fathering books I could get my hands on because it was still very hypothetical for me, you know, with 
with the childbearing parent, they're growing and, and knowing this child inside of them for nine, 10 months. So they kind of get a jump start on it. And for me, it was like, until she was born, it was, it was hypothetical. And, you know, you feel the kicks and stuff along the way, but it was daunting, scary. I immediately started talking to my own dad and other dads in my life that I had always looked up to, to kind of get their perspective and, and see what their tips were. But parenthood is something that it is the great equalizer in terms of it. Your child doesn't care if you're what you do for a living or how much money you make or who you are, but it is something that that affects all of us differently and in different ways. You know, it does impact us in so many ways. And I talk to dads all the time about this and especially with raising daughters and having that daughter in your arms for the first time. I know for me, there definitely was some fear that was going through my head. And I think you have that with any child, but I, but I think with a daughter, I think there's something that's unique there just because we don't have that lived experience. What would you say now in raising your daughter for the six years that she's been in your life, what would you say has been the biggest fear that you've had in raising her? There's been so much going on in society. I can remember when my wife was pregnant, the the San Bernardino shooting happened in Southern California. And I can remember just feeling this like, again, all the feels. What if my daughter was just going to school or to church or to the mall and she was in the wrong place at the wrong time? And there's certainly that safety fear the other big one that I would say has hit, you know, has been front of mind for a lot of folks is the the system being stacked against daughters and women in our society. And we could do a whole episode on that for sure. But just being like more aware of what women have to navigate and go through in life was something that I, you know, growing up in the 90s in the Midwest, I was born in 83. So my formative years were in the Midwest in the 90s. And it was just a very different time. You know, we didn't really talk about all of the things that make the system set up the way that it is to be challenging for women to advance in the workplace or to be able to have it all, quote unquote. And so it's certainly been something that's more front of mind for me in the way that I handle situations in life, but also trying to picture what my daughter would be going through in this similar situation and, and doing all that I can to help give her the tools and, and equip her with the things that she'll need later in life. And what would you say has been the hardest part in raising a daughter? All the things. I definitely wasn't prepared for kindergarten. She just started kindergarten this past fall and having a lot of structure and, and curriculum. I think the hardest part for me has just been trying to put myself in her shoes and understand where she's coming from, the way that she's seeing the world. I mean, I don't even remember what I thought of things and thought of life back in when I was six, but it's so fun, but it cuts both ways as well. It can be so overwhelming. It can be so, just so many things to think through and navigate. And now, especially with the way that they are with technology, like she can totally control the TV and she's six and it's terrifying. It's also good because I think they'll be set up for success later in life as technology advances and things as it has through our lifetimes. But I feel pretty good that I was able to master a ponytail early on. That was certainly a struggle and a process. I'm working on doing a, a solid braid. I can get it. It's messy. But, you know, there's all kinds of things that come up that you never think about when you are you find out your partner's pregnant or that you have a kid on the way or it's always something Some each day, it seems like. Now, I know that one of the hard things, and you didn't talk about this, but we're going to talk about it now, is that... One of the hard things that happened in the the life of your daughter was that she was diagnosed with a long-term genetic condition. And I'm sure that not only the diagnosis, but things that ramped up to the diagnosis and beyond 
that as parents, you have to wrap your head around that. As a father, you have to wrap your head around that. You have to be able to try to figure out what that means for you as a father, as a family, but also what it means for your daughter and what that means for you in trying to help her to live her best life. So talk to me a little bit about that, what that diagnosis has meant, but also what it's made you have to do to be able to reframe fatherhood, maybe, in some ways. How much time do I have? So for me, I think growing up and certainly before being a father, you don't really ever think about genetic conditions and going through the process of my wife's pregnancy She was unfairly coined the geriatric pregnancy because she was 36 at the time. So certainly, I think unfair labeling on the part of the medical field or the medical world. But because of that, we were able to do a lot of the testing early on. And because we were in San Francisco, we had access to doctors and, and hospitals that were using some pretty cool technology. So they were actually able to spin my wife's, take a sample of blood, spin out the fetal blood, run a bunch of a whole battery of tests. And, you know, the big ones, Down syndrome and all the early ones that they do all came back negative. And so for me, it was like, well, that phew, that's, you know, great. Thank goodness we're, we're very fortunate. And I never thought about it again until after our daughter was born. And she, as we were sort of first time parents, trying to make sense of the milestones and the wide range of timing that they give for each one. I say we, but it was mostly my wife started having that maternal instinct or spidey sense that she was a little bit delayed with crawling and then walking. And then you wouldn't know it now, but she was almost nonverbal till she was two. And so a lot of these developmental milestones, she was kind of missing. And my wife just said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to take her to see a pediatric neurologist to see what was going on. And for me, I was very much in denial. I was very much not willing to accept that something might have been amiss. I was stubborn and just sort of like, well, we don't, you know, this is our first time. We don't know what's going on. It could just be that she's delayed and lots of people are delayed and lots of kids are delayed and they would go on to live as if you wouldn't even know it. I thank my lucky stars every day for my wife because she was so persistent and keen on listening to her instincts in this situation because we went through a lot of appointments and then some testing and found out that she does have a uh, a micro deletion on one of her chromosomes, which one of the ways that it manifests and shows itself is with delayed development, whether it's physical, speech, cognitive, different things. And so again, like the best thing that we could have done and the best thing that anybody can do in a situation like this, whether it's, you know, something that you know about early on during the pregnancy or something that you find out later is intervention right away. And so our world, my world got really reoriented around, okay, so she has this thing. It's not the end of the world. Let's get her the therapies and the services that she needs so that we can get her to the best place that she can be and live the fullest life that she can. She graduated speech therapy within 18 months. She doesn't ever stop talking now, which I love and don't take for granted, but she does still have some coordination and and low muscle tone challenges. So physical therapy is one. Now that we're in a school environment, again, the kindergarten guardrails are very wide in terms of kids are coming in from different preschools, different being home with parents, whatever, whatever the case may be before kindergarten. And so as we're starting to now talk about first grade, we're getting into more of let's try to advocate for her and get as much services and therapies as we can through the school so that it's all in the same location. And then we're also very fortunate to be able to 
look at the options of private therapies and stuff if it comes to that. But to your question, how did it sort of reorient me? I mean, there was, and frankly, there still is not a grieving period, but a, okay, this like, like you said, you held your daughter in your arms for the first time in the hospital. You're picturing all these things throughout life and all the milestones and graduations and wedding and all these like monumental moments through someone's life. And now all of a sudden it might look different. And that's daunting and scary and very uncertain. So for a long time, I was the stubborn I don't want to talk about it with my wife. I don't like you make the decisions, but I still want to be involved. I don't want you making decisions without me. I was very, very close minded and very stubborn, like I keep saying. But um, I just again, I'm so thankful for my wife and just how she's our, our daughter's biggest advocate for sure. So it's it's been a blessing. So as you father your daughter and knowing what you know and what you and your wife know about the condition itself, how do you have those conversations with your daughter? That's a great question. I mean, that's one of my one of my not fears, but certainly something that we that I think about from time to time, whether it's two in the morning <laughs> or driving around town or whatever. We have not really started talking about it yet. I think it really hasn't had to be a conversation that we have with her at the moment. We're certainly nearing that point every day which lends itself to more and more stress and anxiety on my part. But I think I will certainly look for and look to other dads in my life and experts and how they kind of talk about these things with their kids, how you help them process it. We're very fortunate that her condition is currently showing itself in a mild manner. So there's not a ton of differences. There's not a lot of, I spoke about the specialist in the therapies where she has to get pulled out of class and, and go to a, a designated area or classroom with with specialists, but it's certainly something that we're going to have to to talk about and navigate. And long-term, her ability to have kids, I don't know about. Certainly, you start thinking about kids leaving the house and being on their own and going to school and college, if that's still a thing when she gets to that point, I don't know. So we're kind of trying to leave it on the back burner and let it be there where it's not occupying some of the mental load, but it is something that that sits in the back of my mind pretty frequently. Well, I appreciate you sharing that because I can only imagine because I've not lived in your shoes, but I can only imagine the the fears, the worries, the concerns that go through your head probably on a daily basis as you get into your head, get into the you know the going down that pathway that that having, as we said earlier, that community around you of other men that either have walked in that a similar journey, even though it's not the same journey or just having people that you can talk to is important. Absolutely. Like I said, the more that I started talking about our infertility challenges early on in our journey, the more that I found other men saying, we went through the same thing. I can't believe it. This is, I thought it was just me. And even now with COVID, it feels like it's even easier to get those feelings of isolation and feeling like you're the only one that the the chips are stacked against in this regard. I certainly have had my struggles with depression and anxiety the last couple of years, especially with COVID. And that's something that after our son was born, my wife went through about a year of intense therapy and and treatment for postpartum anxiety and and depression. And that's something that I also started speaking about and talking about and had even more of a reaction from folks like, I thought it was just us. And we didn't know. Everybody assumes it's like the Lifetime movie, super dramatic thing where there's like life risk to the child or to the to the spouse from the childbearing parent that's going through it. But it affects us dads in so many different ways. It can be mild. It can be 
severe just because you're going through something doesn't mean you're the first one to go through it, nor will you ever be the last one. So finding that community wherever you can is is vital for sure. Well, in talking about community and talking about resources that surround you, one of the other things that I wanted to talk to you about today is something that I know that you've been involved with from early on which is, I'm going to say, an organization called Parents in Tech Alliance. I know it's a 501c organization that was founded back in 2017. Not every person has heard about this before. So can you tell me a little bit about what this alliance is and what drew you into being a part of it from the beginning? I think the origin story of it sort of starts along with when I was at Thumbtack, a startup called Thumbtack at the time, my founding of the Parents Employee Resource Group. And for those that don't know, it's an ERG or an employee resource group is sort of a formalized, recognized group within a company that can do anything from meeting informally and just grabbing coffee to advocating and working with executive teams or the powers that be at a company to kind of establish policies, procedures, things of a more legal nature. But to your point, it's all community building. And so when I got back from Pat leave after our daughter was born, I had a friend approach me who was on the, the people team at Thumbtack and said, can we, what do you think about starting a parents ERG? And I, I was like, we're not oppressed. We're not, you know, a minority. Yes, we're sleep deprived, but we have a parental leave in place. What will we need that for? And he really opened my eyes. And I am grateful to him for doing that because he was very involved in the, they called the group, the Proud Taxes, the LGBTQ ERG at Thumbtack. And he really gave me the templates that they had set up, the charter, all of the mission statement and, and things like that, and the way that they kind of operated and set goals each quarter or each half. And it was honestly one of the most fulfilling roles in my life because I was able to, yes, it was extracurricular on top of my day-to-day job, but it really allowed me to plug into this network or this scene of similar-minded folks around the tech industry in the Bay Area specifically. So the Parents in Tech Alliance is predominantly moms from companies that are saying, hey, we need to work. I think the easiest, lowest hanging fruit or the thing that everybody talks about is increasing parental leave. So that's one where we all sort of met Quarterly, we would talk about what was working well in our companies, what was not working well, shared resources, what were hot topics at the time, how could we get ahead of things. Different companies are at different sizes, so executive teams and HR or people teams are at differing levels of encouragement and support financially. I think when you talk about parental leave and, and some of these programs, it's it comes down to brass tacks for a lot of companies. But the mood and the, the sea change in the, in the U.S. the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of legislation and things to address parental leave at a national and state level. States are all, all over the place, obviously. But for us, really, the Parents and Tech Alliance is a, is a place that companies or people can come to to get information, to get help, to figure out how to advocate for parents, but also how to like just make a difference in each other's lives. And for me, the reward has really been interacting with people before COVID in person and lately on Zoom calls. But, you know, creating that community and having it wherever it's at, it fills your cup. It gives you renewed focus and determination at work. It really just rewards both those of us who have been through it and 
the people that are just coming into a place that might not have any sort of programming or anything set up and are looking for help or direction. So I see on the website for Parents in Tech Alliance that they have a way that you can easily join. And you said the majority of individuals are mothers. Is this mainly for individuals only in Silicon Valley or is it for anyone? across the country? That's a very good question. We're very much outside of just the typical tech, Silicon Valley, startups, established companies. I think you could make the argument that everybody has become a tech company in the last couple of years with COVID and everything going online and virtual. As companies start to get back into the office and we start to see more of that burden placed on parents to kind of navigate the logistics and it's left up to them and their own devices, I think it's even more important that anybody reach out I certainly wouldn't ever, you know, decline and ask or tell anybody that, sorry, you're on your own because you're, you work at a lawyer's office instead of being in the quote unquote Silicon Valley area. And I know that you said that it's majority moms. What have you taken out of it most as a father being a part of this group? Perspective, appreciation, certainly understanding and having a lot of empathy for the way that our society has been set up to kind of cause moms to shoulder the logistical and family burden, as you say. I think, to your point earlier, a lot of of us have been sort of conditioned and we've been taught and had role models before nowadays that the dad's place is at work to be the breadwinner, to provide financially for the family, and mom is the the COO of the house on top of the day job. I think you were speaking earlier, and I started thinking about Encanto for a number of reasons, but having that movie is mostly in a female perspective, but to have that highlight that all it takes is one generation to kind of break the cycle and to be the one that changes things, that's where I have gotten the most value from the Parents in Tech Alliance and, and doing a lot of this work is feeling like I'm going to contribute all that I can to make things easier for my kids, for my daughter especially. And if I can do that through this avenue and kind of not attack it from a legislative perspective through you know state laws or different things that are being offered at the national level, I'll do whatever I can to make things better for everybody. My daughter is obviously the most front of mind for me, just as I'm sure yours are for you, but everybody benefits when it comes to that work. So I think having the chance to break the cycle, so to speak, has been really great and a lot of fun. And I've met an an incredible amount of both dads and moms through the Parents and Tech Alliance. So it's a great resource if anybody's interested. Definitely check out the website and reach out to us. Now, we always finish our interviews with what I like to call our Fatherhood Five, where I ask you five more questions to delve deeper into you as a dad. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. In one word, what is fatherhood? Rewarding. Now, when was a time that you finally felt like you succeeded in being a father to a daughter? We were all having a, a rough day last week, and I put on some music and we had a dance party in the house, an impromptu dance party after dinner that just lightened the mood and and got everybody kind of centered before bedtime. Now, if I was to talk to your daughter right now, how would she describe you as a dad? I'm the one that kind of lightens the mood. I think she would say I'm funny. I'm fun. I'm always there for her. I hope she sees that. I, I think she does. You'd probably get some oddball answer from her, from her kindergarten perspective, like the stinky one or something like that. Who inspires you to be a better dad? My dad for sure. He was the one that broke the cycle in his family. He was a the child of divorce, 
child of an alcoholic home growing up. He started off as a social worker in Chicago when my mom and him met. And then he was an educator for a number of years till he retired. And just so grateful to him for talking to me about feelings, telling me it's okay to to have challenges and struggles, but to navigate them and, and figure things out. He's always the first person I talk to when I come out of a therapy session or I'm having a hard day mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Definitely him. I've also had a number of dads in my life. I went to Indiana University and was on the soccer team and coach Jerry Eglis founded the program there and was the coach for four decades or five decades and just an incredible human and incredible role model to a number of young men in their formative, very formative years in college. And the family environment that they set up has really had a lifelong impact for me. It led to a number of jobs for me with networks that have been established. And I can't say enough about the friendships that I have because of that program. It's been incredible. So he's definitely number a close number two for me. Now you've given a bunch of pieces of advice that I think people can take away from this, that they can listen to here and be able to kind of internalize for themselves. As we finish today, what's one piece of advice you want to give to every dad? Be vulnerable, whether it's with your partner or your kids, even it's great for your kids. To, it's it's um, impactful for them on so many levels to see us be vulnerable and to know that we don't always have everything together and we're figuring that out day by day, just like they are being vulnerable with friends, with your boss, if you feel close enough at work to do that. I think one of the things that I really appreciated about early COVID, obviously I don't wish that we had gone through that to begin with, but the rallying and empathy that everybody sort of led with in early COVID when it was like daycare, schools, everything's shut down and the kids are suddenly home and we're all home trying to do this thing that's an impossible ask on a normal day is now reality for we don't know how long. And I'm hopeful that a lot of that continues going forward. I don't know that it will per se, but I certainly think being vulnerable with coworkers and my boss early on in COVID was uh, the only way that, that we made it through that period. And be vulnerable with yourself. Like, it's okay to have a tough day. It's okay to, to not know what your daughter is going through or your son is going through. Or like, there is no playbook here. There's a lot of books. I read a lot of books. But to your point very early on in our conversation, Chris, it's almost impossible to know what's coming and how you're going to react to it, but just do the best you can and know that you're not alone in this thing. Well, Matt, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for sharing your story and your journey. And I know it's ever evolving, but I do appreciate you sharing where you're at right now. Now, if people want to find out more about you, where's the best place for them to go? Instagram, I'm pretty active on. MattBurke10 is my handle. You can certainly email me, MattBurke10 at gmail.com. I can give it to you for the show notes later as well. I'm always happy to talk to fellow dads with whatever celebrations or challenges you're going through and just know that you can also reach out to the Parents in Tech Alliance. We can put our website on there as well, but create your community wherever you're at. If you don't have one already established, be the one that starts it. It's not that hard. It can be as easy as informal coffee, Zoom chats, or you can go full bore with programming and things like that. So just do it wherever you're at. Well, Matt, thanks so much for being here today. And I wish you all the best. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate it. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, 
but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be